0: hey there tony here again with the words and music of faith hope and love podcast episode number 25 i'm going to um let you know i'm a day late and i could have said nothing about it and it might not have made a difference but things come up and you know this is that time of year where everything's a little bit more hectic and i guess that's what happened to me but just to let you know i'm here and uh going to get right into it. I'm going to get fast forward to the future. You know, even though we never truly get to the future, it does exist. There really is a future in your future. I don't know exactly what it'll look like or how it'll all play out, but I'm convinced there are good things in my future. If we could fast forward to the future right now, do you think you'd like to make the trip? One day about 11 years ago, I was thinking about how we only live in the present, but how we do know there's a future. And I was pondering how, as a Christian, um, I have that assurance there's a future of paradise coming my way. You know, I have that assurance. I live in hopeful anticipation of a day when hate, despair, turmoil, and all manner of mayhem humans inflict upon one another will die. And as I continued to contemplate, I thought about How the future exists for every man, woman, and child who has ever lived. But, you know, that old real estate expression, location, location, location. That's the key. It's not a matter of if you'll exist in the future. It's a matter of where. Well, my pondering continued, and I recalled the story of Lazarus and the rich man in the Bible. Um, I didn't write down, or uh, I'm not going to go through the whole story now, but you can read it, uh, you know, if you go in the Bible and look for the that story of Lazarus and the rich man. It's a famous story. But a section of that passage talks about a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And that line inspired the first line of my song called Fast Forward. Now, the rest of my song is about someone looking back on their life and Realizing that they'd bought into an evolutionary worldview. Not a good thing. Uh, this person in the song uh, who has passed from this life now has full realization of truth. And thoughts and emotions of what if and panic begin to set in. And as I like to consistently say um, in my songs and in my discussions and on my website, um... When I talk with people who don't yet trust a living, loving God who created them, I tell them, it's all so avoidable. While you still breathe here on planet Earth, you can dig deeper into the awe-inspiring details of creation and see the handiwork of God. And I urge you to discover and accept the complexity of life for the representation of God's love that it is. And it's right in front of you. And on my website, I I shared the lyrics to Fast Forward, and I even shared the song. Um, It's right there. It's not anything you have to buy. So I urge you to go to uh, tonyfunderburk.com forward slash Fast Forward to the Future. Click on that link. You'll see a... um, I don't know, an illustration or an image there. It looks like a fast-forward button on a recording machine. Anyway, uh, listen to the song and let me know what you think, okay? Stop by there. I'd love to have your thoughts on it. And right after that, I uh, actually shared some more lyrics that I hope are going to be a song in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I was talking about By and By in a Lullaby. And I don't know why certain combinations of words intrigue me, but they do. And, and I've been that way as far back as I can remember. For example, um, what does by and by mean? Well, it appears to usually mean at some point in the future or eventually. But by and by is also used in place of by the way. You know, like... By the by, have you ever heard that? Well, I, for, I prefer the first explanation. And I've used it that way occasionally over my, my many years as a writer, and I even sneaked it into the lyrics that, uh, that I shared on my website called The Dreamer's Lullaby. Um, I didn't hide it very well, so I'm sure you'll quickly find it. And, and um, I say lyrics because, like I said, I plan to use the words in a song. However, it's not a song yet. Uh, I suppose because it was very late as I typed it out and, uh, and all that, I, my thoughts strayed to lullabies and, and Dreamtown. And whatever it was, I, I mean, I just felt like a, a change of pace from my other articles and opinions and studies, and so I wrote those, uh, those words, uh, the words to the Dreamers Lullaby. So um, if you go to TonyFunderburk.com, and click on the link that says Buy and bye in a lullaby, you can read those lyrics, and I'd love to have your feedback on that too. Um, you know, say, Hey, Tony, that sounds like it might might be a nice lullaby for, for little kids, or, I don't know, maybe if you if you actually make it a song, you'll put me to sleep. <laughs> Let me know, okay? Uh, the next thing I talked about this past week was, um, uh, I don't know if, if you've seen in the news, a place here in Colorado called Masterpiece Cakes, um, it, it's just been a quite a fiasco. And if you're a business owner, I'd like to point out something that I thought would have been blatantly obvious until recently, until that all came up. No one has a right to force you to serve their needs. Regardless of whatever inane laws vacuous government officials might conjure up, You do have a right to refuse service to anyone. You do have that right. I'm not kidding. I completely understand how our federal, state, and legal governments manage to make things like this a legal issue. But far too often in our system of government, legal parts company with right and wrong. Simply calling something legal doesn't make it right. For example, at one time in our nation's history, only three-fifths of blacks were counted as citizens. It was constitutionally legal, but it was most certainly wrong. And I'm saying all this because, like I said, right here in my own hometown in Colorado, a legal issue has arisen as a result of a cake maker exercising a right to refuse service to a gay couple. And I put that in quotations on my article. They wanted him to bake them a cake for their so-called civil union ceremony. And uh, Jack Phillips of of the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Lakewood, Colorado, informed the two men that his Christian worldview doesn't support gay marriage or a civil union. Now, you'd think that would should be the end of it. I mean, uh, some people feel one way, other people feel another way, and hey, let's park company. But... These two guys fired some insults at Mr. Phillips and they admitted to it and they left the shop and eventually filed a discrimination lawsuit. Yes, they're going to sue him. They are in the middle of it, actually. I found a report on this uh, from a National Public Radio article uh, that popped up in my iPhone Flipboard app. And uh, I pasted in some of that article in my website and Uh, I actually wrote what was said in the article, and then I put my words in blue on the website so you would know who was saying what. But in the article it said, should they be allowed a religious exemption, like churches and some institutions? And my answer to that is, no. That might surprise you since I'm a Christian. But I said, no, religion isn't the issue. Freedom is. Just because a guy bakes cakes doesn't give you or anyone else a right to any of those cakes or to force him to bake you one. The next thing they wrote uh, that I took out of there was, uh, or a First Amendment free expression pass. Should they get that? A sort of conscientious objector status if the job is at odds with their beliefs? Well, I said this comes closer to reality. If a bar owner who doesn't give a hoot about Jesus doesn't want skinheads coming into his bar, he should have a right to refuse service to them. Simple as that. Doesn't have anything to do with religion. It's just that he doesn't want a certain kind of people in his bar. And he shouldn't have to be forced, or shouldn't be forced to have to have them. The next uh, part of the article, it said, in his Colorado Cake case ruling, administrative law judge Robert Spencer acknowledged that some may view the actions of Baker Phillips as within his rights as a businessman. And uh, the judge said, quote, At first blush, it may seem reasonable that a private business should be able to refuse service to anyone it chooses. This view, however, Spencer added, fails to take into, uh, fails to take into account the cost to society and the hurt caused to persons who are denied service simply because of who they are. Well, I said Judge Spencer's view, also any corresponding laws, uh, fails to take into account the cost of lost souls and the hurt caused to persons who are forced to provide service simply because of who they are. He doesn't care about that, though. He's thumbing his nose in the face of God. He also said, Colorado, or this article said, Colorado, like New Mexico, bars discrimination based on sexual, sexual orientation. And I said, in doing so, both states elevate the rights of some over the rights of others, and that's unjust. For Laura Durso, the issue is one of basic rights. There is a steady drumbeat of people understanding fairness in the marketplace, says Durso, director of LGBT research and communication at the Center for American Progress. Quoting again, open a business to serve the public, you have an obligation to serve everyone. That's what she thinks. Ms. Durso unsurprisingly fails to understand basic rights. Basic rights can be defended equally for everyone. Basic rights are life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. No one has a basic right to force, coerce, or compel someone else to bake them a cake. And fairness in the marketplace is a remarkably childish concept. With all the fairness you can muster, give 100 people the same tools and the same opportunities and the same freedoms, and then watch as inevitably some excel while others crash and burn. And no one has an obligation to serve everyone. That's a senseless statement, not well thought out. So then the article went on to say, so what's the fix? where is the line constitutionally? And some guy says, well, that's the million-dollar question and one that will have to be answered by state legislatures or by the Supreme Court. And I said, well, if state legislatures or the Supreme Court are, are unable to understand the difference between right and merely legal, which is the case the majority of the time now, we will continue to decline further and further into moral bankruptcy. And don't deceive yourself into believing morality comes from people, places, or parchment. Morality comes from God, the same God who endowed us with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I didn't make that up. I think you know where that comes from. Well, in conclusion on that, I'd like to say that a free market will almost always determine the course of enterprise. If I determine not to serve a segment of society and I see my business begin to fail, I should be able and allowed to make the adjustments if I'm willing. And if I'm unwilling to make those adjustments and my business fails, so be it. Also, if I decide to serve a certain segment of society while denying others and I'm rewarded with a flourishing business, so be it. The point is, it's my business. If you can see a better way to do it, and if you're able to do it, go for it. You'll either get my business or you won't. But I won't be mad at you for being different. And it's so amazing to me how many people get mad about Christians being different. And they're supposedly wanting to celebrate diversity. Go figure. Well, you know, I can't remember. (laughs) Hmm. I can't remember the last time I sang my song called, I can't remember, but I ran across it the other day and I thought I'd share a little background about the lyrics. So I wrote, uh, I wrote some things on my website, TonyFunderburk.com. I can't remember. Got a little picture of me there holding my sign saying, I can't remember. Um, uh, in another post, in another article somewhere on my site, I shared how I love metaphors. Well, I also love a play on words, or a twist, or something ironic, or sardonic, or eccentric, or concentric, or, well, you get it, you know. I mean, in the in the following lyrics, uh, you'll see a guy who claims to be unable to remember anything at all about his former love, and you'll be musically carried away on a list of things he can't remember. You get that? <laughs> a list of things you can't remember? How do you make a list of things you can't remember? Well, that's what I did. and um, I happened to be playing a particular sound on an old Roland digital keyboard, which I no longer have, but it had such a melodic, percussive resonance to it that some words popped into my head. And before I knew it, the whole song flowed out in one glorious evening of writing, singing, and producing. And uh, I got to tell you, those are the rare and beautiful moments for a songwriter. Uh, when it all just goes all at once, that's just that's just so great. It's awesome. Um, and like I said in the article, I'd like to tell you more about the relationship the song was based on, but I can't remember. It's just a little uh, twist on there. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to read those lyrics. I was going to, but... Uh, I have the song and the lyrics there on my website, Tonyfunderberg.com. Look for the, the article says, I can't remember. Okay, if you go there, you'll see the lyrics. You can read those and you can listen to the song as you're reading the lyrics. So I'm not even going to put it in this podcast. You'll have to go there to hear it. And here's something very interesting. I don't know if you know this or not, but we humans, we're not trained apes. Did you know that? It may seem obvious to you, but, uh, uh, you know, as early as seven months, human children can understand and learn grammatical rules as early as seven months old. Little kids can do that. Have you ever heard of feral children? Well, these are children raised without human contact. And there have been studies of uh, 36 documented cases of these children, and they don't speak until learning from another human. They don't, they don't actually speak until they learn how to speak from another human. And while it's true we humans need to be taught language, we're not trained apes. Some chimpanzee trainers have had success training their animals to recognize quite a few words and symbols and, and even make some limited hand signs. But here's the key thing. When the trained animal dies, The trainer's hard work goes down the drain. That's because these apes don't pass on their vocabulary to their offspring. And no apes in the wild have shown true vocabulary skills. Because true language requires vocabulary and grammar. Because it's only with grammar that we can use a few words to express a variety of ideas. We humans, we also have a variety of methods of expressing language. We have speaking and hearing, reading and writing, signing, braille, which is touch, and even tapping, which is you know, like Morse code. When something prevents us from communicating one way, we use another. It's hardwired into us. Our language and ability to communicate isn't getting more and more complex. In other words, evolving. No, it's actually devolving. English, for example, is much less complex than even in the days of America's founding fathers. I mean, here in America, it just doesn't have the complexity that it had even 200 years ago. If you read the documents of the founding fathers, even their personal letters to and from their spouses, you'll see a much more fluid and flowing use of mood and voice and verb form and syntax and tense and inflection. You know, for a human to need another human in order to learn to speak, this means the first humans must have been endowed with a language ability. There just isn't any evidence that language evolved. And this, of course, means that humans didn't either. And it also means that we're not trained apes or any other form of evolved creature. Language is one of the many proofs of that. Now, I'd like to finish up this week's um, podcast talking about your glorious body. (laughs) I'm not talking about you, you who's been working out. You know who you are. No, I'm talking about a glorious body that every believer is going to have. You can live forever in paradise with your creator in a glorious body. So... I suggest you don't worry so much about the body you have now, which only lasts a little while. I mean, you should take care of it, but don't don't fret over it. And I hope you'll pardon the abrupt way I had of jumping into this biblical topic, but I just wanted to be sure you're awake for this eye-opening information. Are you aware that you'll get a glorious body when you're raised from the dead? Uh, what's that you say? You don't believe you'll be raised from the dead? Well, do you believe you're going to die? I mean, I think you can probably wrap your mind around that because you see it happening every day, right? Death is a natural part of this life we have. It's not the best part. In fact, it's the worst part. But it's nevertheless a part. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35-49, through Paul writes a brilliant passage describing the difference in this temporary body we now have and that which we will have upon resurrection. His juxtaposition of adjectives is colorful and clear, and to describe our present earthly body, he uses words like flesh, terrestrial, corruption, dishonor, weakness, natural, and dust. And he contrasts that with the resurrected body, and he find words like spirit, celestial, incorruption, honor, glory, and power. Wow, what a difference. But of course, our resurrected body would have to be amazingly different in order to last through eternity, right? Our current natural bodies won't last forever, and we shouldn't want them to anyway. You know, our flesh has been corrupted with sin from the very first generation. Now, I know this sounds hokey to anyone who doesn't want God telling them what for. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. Our feelings don't make it true or false. The facts do. And if I don't have my facts straight, if I'm one of those goofy Christians who bought into this whole life-after-death-in-paradise-with-God myth, then I'm a silly fool, okay? So sue me. But if I'm not wrong about this, and believe me, I'm staking my potential eternal future on it, then I can look forward to a glorious body one day that will never die. And anyone who didn't believe is a silly fool. This much is for sure. We're either both wrong or one of us is right. But we can't both be right. The math just doesn't work out. Well, that uh, does it for this week's Words and Music of Faith, Hope, and Love podcast. This was episode number 25. And uh, my name's Tony, Tony Funderburke. You can find um, so much of what I do at uh, TonyFunderburke.com. As always, I like to mention that I have a lot of books and, and um, music for kids. I specialized uh, for a long time in that, and uh, I still do, as a matter of fact, so I still am adding to that. But uh, you can find all kinds of things that I'm doing over there at Tonyfunderbrook.com. I hope you will. I hope you'll stop by and um, make it a habit. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, do that, no matter how you found it, and then you'll have it in your mp3 player coming to you without having to go looking for it you can find it on itunes it's real easy just google my name or uh, go on itunes and search for my name and you'll find me tony funderberg f-u-n-d-e-r-b-u-r-k and uh, that does it like i said for this week's episode of words and music of faith hope and love until next time god bless